Welcome to the Samson Strength Coach Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Grasso. We are joined today by Zach Fears, who is the Assistant AD of Sport Performance at Southeastern Oklahoma State. Uh, give you a little background on Zach. He's got his bachelor's in exercise science from Central College, which is in Pella, Iowa. He's got his master's from Winona State. And he's also halfway through his doctorate in strategic leadership, which we'll touch on and get into in a little bit here. Uh, he is strength coach, strength and conditioning coach certified through the CSCCA. And he is a certified strength and conditioning specialist through the NSCA. Um, he also holds a, cert, uh, a certification from USA Weightlifting. That's probably as, as good as I was going to, as, as good as I was going to get. I think I messed it up in the last podcast too. Like I said, it's, it's always brutal when we get both those certifications. But just to give you a little bit of background, uh, name some of the places that he's been to. You got Lincoln University, Missouri Southern State, NC State, Winona State, Abilene Christian. And he was the director of sport performance at Sterling Sports Performance in also in uh, Pella, Iowa. So, Zach, welcome. I really appreciate you hopping on short notice. I know this is obviously a busy time of year for you. So again, thank you and welcome. Appreciate it. Yeah, no doubt. So um, like we talked, if you could just kind of, obviously I mentioned some of those places that you've been, but if you really like, we always like to start off, just give a little bit of backgrounds and some context to the listeners, um, where this whole thing started, how it kind of led to where you're at now. Yeah. So I originally got started at Central College uh, back in the day. There's still a bunch of us around. Uh, from Central College, you know, we were kind of doing what Springfield College is doing right now back, you know, 10, 15 years ago. So uh, I remember my senior year as I got out, we had 32 interns there at one point. So, you know, we were, we were rolling with that. And uh, the director there is probably the guy I referenced most still in my career, Jake Anderson. He kind of just had a vision of putting this big internship program together and just rolling with it. And that's what he did. And, and he was kind of this larger than life character uh he created some interesting stuff there but it really got a lot of us deep into this you know just this craziness that is strength conditioning and so what he kind of did was he kind of molded us all kind of the same that's one thing you know maybe i do it a little differently you know i try to have all my my interns and i I, right now i have about 15 interns um but i like to kind of mold them all a little bit different and, and use their strengths but it was pretty crazy how we all had this just one philosophy and i think we almost thought that it was there's only one way to do it. And that's the one thing that was really interesting is the way you kind of just got us all to, to do the exact same thing, uh, work together. And that, that really got me into it. And I originally went to school. I was going to play sports and do all that. I ended up getting into weightlifting, a few other things. And just to be honest with you, I, I never ended up playing sports in college. And I get that nonstop because I'm, I'm about 5'7", 220. I'm a pretty stout guy. Everyone's like running back. I'm like weightlifter, you know. It's like, <laughs> Um, what ended up happening was I kind of got the bug, especially my junior year. I had a couple of people try to talk me into it earlier and I was like, no, nah, this isn't for me. I need to put some size on. I'm going to go play football. And then the next thing I know, I'm, I'm a strength conditioning coach, mm-hmm. uh, undergrad. And then I took over a private business for a year. Uh, I should go back to honestly, Jake Anderson is still the biggest impact in my entire life. That, and, and I hear that nonstop. And every time I get to hear from the guy, message the guy, talk to the guy, he's actually a missionary in Turkey right now. So every time I get to hear from this guy, it's a joy, you know, to, to see where we all came from. And honestly, I find myself more and more as I get older acting like him. Just I'm about his age right now when he left yeah. Central, which is kind of funny to me now after almost 15 years in the field. Yeah. But uh, and then I moved on. I actually ran my own private business for a year under uh, at a PT clinic there under Travis Sterling. That's why it's Sterling Performance. Um, I, it wasn't for me. No private business, the private sector is not for me. I learned that real quick. It's just, there's, 
we have to charge for everything. You know, you charge it for all the advice you can give. That's not for me. Uh, I'd rather just get my salary and then try to get as much knowledge as I can out there. Uh, after that, I went down to NC State for a while. Um, probably learned more than I've ever learned. That was the first time I really got challenged. I'll never forget. Uh, Todd Rice was a director there. Todd Rice was, I mean, he was tough to work for, but he was always consistent. I'll give him that. And he was as knowledgeable as any coach I've ever worked for. So he was the one who really got me thinking outside the box. That That's probably the credit I get the most at NC State. Um, D'Antonio Burnett was one of the assistants there. He's now the director over there. Um, and I credit that guy with a whole lot of, of knowledge as well, you know, as a couple other coaches that were there. Um, it, it was just a really interesting experience to look at a totally different way. Again, I, at Central Quality, we were all molded here. And NC State is way over here, a totally different setup, totally different design, everything like that. I should also mention Craig Buckley. Craig Buckley's at Bryant right now. Uh, and he was another really, really impactful guy on me while I was there. But he really taught me to think outside the box. And I'll never forget, he said, I, I verbatim, he said this, pull me aside one day, he goes, Zach, stop thinking like everybody else and doing like everybody else. Figure out your reason why you would write a program. And that was probably the most impactful thing anybody ever said to me. Because at Central, we all did it this way. We all used a similar template. We all did everything the same way. And he finally, he just told me that. He was like, stop doing what all the coaches you've ever been under have done. Do what makes sense to you. And that really molded me to do totally different things with how I actually started building my career. Uh, from there, I went to one on the state GA for two years. Um, it was, it was totally different. It's very loose culture. It was kind of like that. Here's your teams. We're never going to do anything as a staff. Like you got free to do whatever you want. So it was kind of crazy because you're sitting there and out from NC state where it was like, if you looked at Todd Rice the wrong way, you know, you can be breathing down your throat. Uh, Jeff Renardi, who was just like, take care of your teams. You want to see my programs? You'll look, no, go, just, just go. Um, and then to swing down to Abilene Christian with Eric Overland, and he was the exact same way as Todd Rice. You know, he was everything in this little tiny nutshell, do it exactly this way. So it was really one of those topsy-turvy rides. Yeah, I was going to say, and, some like wild experiences there. <laughs> oh, and then I go back to uh, Missouri Southern. I was under Troy Jorgensen, who obviously worked for Samson now. Yeah. There, I was there for about two and a half years, close to three years. And he was the exact opposite of take care of your teams. You know, <laughs> we're not going to read books together. We're not doing anything like that together. And, and so it was, again, it was back up and back down. And really easy life. Yeah. Um, I was there, had some really good experiences there. I met some really good coaches, but I knew after a while, that was when I wanted to move forward the head position. Got the opportunity to Lincoln. Uh, Lincoln was tough. It was really tough. It's, you know, it, it's an interesting school. I won't say uh, anything negative. It was just, you had to do things totally different. You know, from anywhere I'd ever been, and it was my first head gig, so I'm kind of thrown right in the deep end. And honestly, uh, thought it went really well overall for my first head job, and it set me up to be here. You know, I got here uh, after about a year. I got promoted to assistant athletic director here, um, simply for working hard. I think is what all I'm going to say. I'm not going to go into any more details of that, but being consistent, working hard, that was something that really helped me out, uh, focus wise. Same time we built a brand new facility here. Uh, we're nice. touting a, we got a 10,000 square foot facility for Division II, um, completely Samson out. Um, nice. Ads, PBTs, G flights, great timing, everything. I mean, for Division II, you know, I, I talked to, you know, a handful of Division I coaches in the last, you know, couple of weeks, just buddies here and there. And I remember Cleet McLeod was one of them. And I told him my whole situation, just talking to him. And, 
know, he mentioned, uh, you know, a certain thing about another job or anything like that. And I told him everything I had. And he's like, dude, why would you ever leave that? You've got a great boss. you got great coaches. you got an amazing facility. He said, man, just stay there and take care of business. And, yeah. you know, and then, uh, but yeah, it, it's an amazing place here overall. You know, Durant's not the most hip happening place, but I got a wife and three kids and I don't really live the craziest lifestyle. Plus <laughs> I'm in the middle of my doctorate. So, you know, I don't really have time to do much of anything. You know, I got yeah. into work at six yesterday and I left here about 11 o'clock last night. Um, so there's been a lot of those, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, but I'm, I'm halfway down, I guess. So, yeah. I've got all A's but one B, so I guess I'm doing all right. Yeah, man. You're doing some serious stuff over there. I was going to say halfway through your doctorate and all that. You're naming all these things that you got going on. I'm thinking to myself, how, how did this dude even like remotely have any time to hop on this podcast with me? Or I mean, that's all I'm thinking, like, well, I'm here. So I, I'm even more appreciative now for sure. And yeah, going back to your experience, I mean, unbelievable. Obviously, like you said, that 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 emotional roller coaster of like different qualities and different environments that you were in, going from a place where obviously, you know, maybe culture was extremely emphasized and, and the environment that you were in was very, you know, unity driven driven right to go into like all right well now it's you know a little bit more of a militarized situation where it's like you said like don't even look at the head guy don't even breathe near him you know and then it's like all right now we're you know, hey we're back in just you know, just do your thing you know what I mean and like take care of your teams and all that kind of stuff so um that probably leads really well into your your doctor right because you've seen like probably like five or six different forms of leadership right so you want to talk about like strategic leadership I mean you've got <laughs> I think you've got enough for a doctorate there you know it's just based on experience alone and I think you know, obviously your ability to, you know, absorb what has happened now as you've moved on from it and everything has probably gotten better and better. So um, that's, that's pretty awesome. And yeah, you mentioned, you know, hard work and just consistent work ethic, obviously have led you to being a head guy who, who would have thought amazing stuff, right? You know, it's like, not, not that, uh, not that sexy, right? Just, just working hard and making sure that you, you take care of business. Right. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, so yeah, man, let's, let's get into it. So like, uh, I mean, obviously we, we would love to hear your thoughts on strategic leadership. It's something that you mentioned before we got on the podcast that you are super passionate about, obviously, as you mentioned a few times now, you're getting your doctorate with, uh, within that realm. So I do think it's important that we kind of hear your thoughts. I don't know if you have specific areas that you want to start with this, or even if, you know, I'm sure you found a bunch of interesting information as you've gone through your doctorate with it as well. So, um, <clears throat> However, you kind of want to, you know, lead into this or whatever, whatever, whatever you want to go with as far as, you know, kind of setting this thing off. But like what I mean, there's got to be something I mean, we could even get down to it where we talk about, you know, leadership within this particular industry. And I know that that's probably something that's been, you know, bugging you or whatever, just getting you fired up or whatever over the years and your experience in different ways. So, uh, yeah, man, let's, let's let's get it rolling. Let me hear some of your thoughts and, and I'll just kind of piggyback and whatever, whatever I can. Yeah, so one of the things that I really like to follow, and I've, I've messed around and I've had the opportunity to look through, you know, countless different theories and all this type of stuff. And, and you know, some of it seems like, okay, this is a little bit useful, but in athletics, you know, I found probably the biggest one, I actually printed this off. Um, so this is one of the things that I've used very successfully with our athletes. Um, so I first implemented this with our football program, of basically how do we create change? And that was one thing I, I think people struggle with. They, they know they want change, but they don't know how to create change. And so I found this uh, in one of my classes. I should say I found it. I had to read it. I had to research it. I had to uh, know all this stuff. Um, it was a really simple book by John Cotter. Um, he's like a double doctorate from Harvard or something crazy. And he institutes all these leadership 
changes at like massive companies, you know, you're talking about Fortune 500, like billion dollar companies and the guys turning around companies left and right. Yeah. Uh, but he, he has this really simple template that works for athletic teams, athletic departments, universities, small scale, big scale. It, it's really simple. And I'm, I'm a huge fan of this. So I first implemented with our football team uh, right when I started basically my doctorate. It was one of the first classes I had was I, I got exposed to this. I was like, this might work. Like, yeah. let's try to figure out how we can implement this with our team. Well, we put this together and we had uh, the first year I was here, we went one in 10. Mm. Bad, bad stuff. Um, then we turned around the next year and we went nine and three and won a bowl game. Um, we were actually, it was the fourth biggest turnaround in NCAA Division II history. So there's something pretty cool there going on. Um, and when it really comes down to it, I'm, I'm pretty fortunate here. My head coach, my head football coach, lets me pretty well take care of all the leadership because he knows that's what I'm just obsessed with. And so I actually start, I, I use Cotter's eight methods for, for starting to restructure our team. And it was very, very slow. And I'm like, God, this is catching on. Like, is this working? Is this working? And then all of a sudden it just like clicked. And it really clicked in football camp of where our team wants to be. And you watch, it was just noticeably different. All of a sudden one day you just saw it, right? We're going in and we're two weeks in without a bad practice. Mm -hmm. Three weeks, no bad practices. Four weeks, no bad. We're going into our first game without a bad practice. That never happens. Four weeks of camp, you know, and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, and then we turned around and you know we knocked off two top five teams. We lost a couple games we should have too. So that's our three losses. We're all, you know, we had one one team in there was a top three in conference and some middle pack games, but that still gives us room to improve. You know, I, I don't sure. think you're going to go from one and ten to fifteen and zero, but right. this gives us room and you know. We're currently in that situation. The good, the great mentality. How do we had a good year now? How do we build on top of that? I actually restarted this whole year with the exact same process. And number one is creating a sense of urgency. You know, how do you create a sense of urgency? Well, it's really easy when you're one in ten. We sucked. One in ten is horrible. Well, you're you can't really get much worse except for zero and eleven. So the sense of urgency there is taken care of. And now the sense of urgency, right now, you know, I've shifted that to. We're probably going to be preseason number one. Mm. You know? Well, everyone's got it for us now. That's the new sense of urgency is every team will bring their absolute best. So we know that. We know that we will be a top preseason pick now. And that we're no longer we're no longer going to be looked at as an underdog. We are potentially should be our number one or number two team in the conference mm. preseason, and everyone's going to know that. Yeah. So that's our new sense of urgency, plus a few other things that you know, I won't go into full details of. The second is building a guiding coalition. And with that, it's, it's about getting a couple choice people to start pushing their initiatives. You know, and I, I basically picked about eight or 10 leaders for our team. And I start introducing things to them and we start slowly introducing that to others and others. Um, third is forming a strategic vision. You know, how do we start putting something together? You know, and the one thing that people fail to understand is they sit there uh, and we did this exercise, we posted online, but I, I asked, every single player to put one word up that describes a perfect game. And, you know, you get all these, you get all these different answers of what someone really looks for, but then how do you start to move towards that? You know, and then the fourth one is basically enlisting your army or getting the rest of everyone else in. That's when you're really going to expose the rest of the team, everybody to our vision of what we want. Um, finally, you start, uh, number five is you start removing barriers. How do you get things out of the way that are causing us not to, 
you know, start finding the barriers that are stopping us from moving forward. And that can be a lot of things. That can go anywhere from money, that can be staff, that can be players. You know, we got to start pulling the things away that are actually slowing us down. Yeah, that's a heavy um, one. That's, and, and that's probably right. Like that's probably where most people would fall short if you were successful in the first four, right? Like that's, you know, like the first four are, are reasonable, right? Like you said, like you're creating a sense of urgency, right? You, you, and obviously you said your sense of urgency changed from being somebody who was like, all right, well, our team hasn't won a game or we won one game or whatever the case is. So let's, our sense of urgency is to win games, right? And then obviously it changed to our sense of urgency is to protect what we built, right? So you, obviously you guys have gotten to a point where you're preseason number one. So, um, and then obviously building a guiding coalition and forming a strategic vision, all of those things are, you know, if you have good leadership, right? Like you said, you can exhibit, like you get to a point and then obviously getting people to buy in, I'm assuming that that's what number four is sort of built around, right? Like, like sort of enlisting, getting, getting, you know, getting by and creating a, a, a sort of a, a philosophy that people can latch onto. But yeah, starting to remove those barriers. Like once you get that, it's like, all right, everybody's rallied, everybody's ready to go. Yeah, like removing the barriers, because like you said, some of those barriers may be things that are controllable, some of them may be uncontrollable, right? So like how you like navigate that. But um, yeah, no, that's, that's awesome. Please continue. And then uh, after that, it starts to get a little bit more, difficult, but generating short-term wins, how do you sit there and, and quantify, you know, a win? You know, like today we, we did a, uh, we did 60 yard shuttles and we make every guy has to be perfect. We give them hands to touch with lines, starts, finishes, everything has to be perfect. And when we start seeing all that stuff, you know, max is going up. We didn't have one single restart today on any of our, of our running, which was, uh, we had a perfect running day, you know, which is the first day we've had that. But that is a huge short-term win that our guys have been trying for. And, you know, we've got a couple of new guys and all of a sudden they can't quite hit our standards. And, and everyone knows where our standards are, but then we have one guy miss. You know, you got 100 guys and you're doing running and one guy misses, everybody starts over. And so we had our first full no-mistake day running today. And nice. you can just see the difference in guys of all of a sudden like, hey, we were perfect today, but next week we even have to be better. You know, and that was the whole thing. And, and finally, the last two are sustained acceleration. Like, how do you keep finishing out? And then ultimately is institute the change. And the funny thing about it is that it starts all over. Um, you know, you start with your next thing. What's your next problem to tackle? You start all over with that. You know, the hardest one is actually finishing the change. People get 99% of the way done, and then they'll just leave that one little thing. You know, it's like restoring the car. Like, man, it's got great paint. It's got all this, but I just can't find that one damn taillight. <laughs> you know, and then you just kind of give up on that. Well, no, you, you know, finish every little detail, everything, and finish out with one. That's what's going to get you the ultimate. And that's the one that I think people really, they see success, but not ultimate success. And they, they stop right there. And that's, that's a huge one where, especially with athletics, like, oh, man, we just went and beat this team, this team, and this team. You know, but we kind of fell short here. But we're still really good. Well, that's not what we're going for. We're not going for really good. Really good is not good enough for where we are right now. And I use that with our, our team. We are insanely talented. I've been working at Division II the majority of my career. And this is bar none the most talented team I've ever seen. If we go 9-3 next year, that's a failure. You know, it's a failure for what we've done, the way our coaches have recruited. Uh, recruited. And I think we have the best recruiting staff in the nation, if you ask me. From where we went to my first year here to even going to my fourth year here, uh, the talent we have, I have never seen at Division Two, And we're insane. I mean, we just pulled a four-star left tackle mm -hmm. at a Division Two school. Uh, 
there are plenty. <laughs> there are plenty of Division One kids. <laughs> uh, Division One schools that be killing for that kid right now. You know, yeah. just, you got a our offensive coordinator slash O line coach is such an insane recruiter. I have never seen. I don't know how some major Division One ever picked him up. They shouldn't say that on here. If someone hears it, I don't know. <laughs> this dude's so good. <laughs> oh, he's unbelievable. He has details on everyone. You know, I, we had a meeting. No joke. And he goes, you know, I talked to his junior high coach, and he was late one practice one time. So I'm like, I, I think we can forgive six years ago, uh, but he knows every detail about these kids. So, yeah. Uh, but, but that's the biggest thing with going through that is, is you get those eight things done and then you tackle the next problem and you start all the way over. Uh, but the good thing about this is you tackle multiple problems at once. You know, you might start one problem here and you might get through enlisting a volunteer army or whatever, and then you start your next one and you start getting after it. You know, it's not a, you're not done when you start. You just move on to the next problem and keep going with that. And ultimately, you never are done trying to create change. You know, everybody sits there and they, they think, well, I don't know, we'll just use Northwest Missouri State. You know, yeah, they go 15-0, that's great. But you think they don't care about 15-0 next year? Like, right. congrats, you won. You had a great year or whatever. We'll go everyone in that. I didn't even know what Natty last year. But, but for any school, the division one team doesn't matter. But are, are you done after that? Like, no, you, you just got to start back over. It's the same thing. No matter what challenge you're going after, you start after the next one, and often you don't even finish that one before you start after the next one. You still got to finish the other one. So, and I think as a strength coach, we see that all the time. I don't, it's not like I only work with one team. Right. Like I'm tackling the problems of softball and baseball and tennis and golf and football and this monumental problem that we have to work with. So we're constantly trying to institute change. Um, now that being said, I run three basic teams here. You know, I run right now. I run football basketball and baseball and i've tried to implement this heavily it worked best with men's basketball and football uh, and both those two teams are setting records right now as far as performance and uh countless conference records nonstop. so mm. i think it's starting to work i think this is something that I, I think it's tried and true and of course john connor's 20 billion times smarter than me probably 20 billion times richer than me too uh, no <laughs> you're a strength coach what do you mean you're not rich well if you look in the back wall you know, uh, <laughs> all my money goes into those. I don't know, here's the there's a lift back there. So, yeah, I was going to say, I was like, this, this looks like an Olympic weightlifting shoe ad. <laughs> I, I have almost every single pair almost ever made. Nice. Yeah, I'd be lying if I said I didn't check out your Instagram too before we did this podcast. You, uh, you're into the Olympic lifts, it looks like. <laughs> Just I, a little I tried, bit. <laughs> I tried. I'm getting old. And, you know, I, I sprained my wrist really bad the other day, and I'm fighting through that. Just spotting a girl and I freaking slammed the bar up in and something didn't do right in there. And oh, I, I actually thought it was broke for sure. I went and got an x-ray and it was, it wasn't. So yeah. I still got that snatching. I think I snatched like 275 today or something like that. But, uh, Oh yeah. Just 275. Huh? Uh, it's not quite moving. Away. Should. <laughs> no, it's funny. I was talking to my brother about it before I was like, before I hopped on the podcast, I was like, yeah, I was like, um, I was like, I was checking out this dude's Instagram last night. I was like, I'm not going to lie. Like, dude can lift. Like, he can move some weight, you know? And my brother's like, you think he would care about, you know, my, my, my little brother. He's like the youngest brother. I'm the oldest of five boys, and he's he's the youngest one. And we we lived together. Today, he had a, he had a PR, and, you know, I'm not going to put it out there or whatever. It was, a, it was, a, it was a, you know, getting some getting some weight on his back. You know what I mean? And I was like, he was like, do you think he would care about my PR? And I'm like, honestly, bro, judging by the amount of weight this dude's moving, I don't really think he would care that much. I was like, but but I'll let him know that you PR if that's something that you already saw. <laughs> Here's me, me letting you know. You know, the, the craziest thing for me was it took me, you know, I got here, the last school I was at, 
no one could ever beat my, you know, my clean spot bench though. It couldn't even come close. Mm. We got here and I'm like, all right, you know, we'll see. And I, I had a, our left tackle benched 500 this year. I can't bench 500. And then we had like, I had like six guys out squat me. Mm. And I'm just like, they haven't beat my clean yet, but like, we had, like, we brought in a, a couple of freshmen that are seven, like legit parallel or below squats at 700 plus. I mean, like we have hosses here. I, I told you, like, the recruiting, the recruiting here has been unbelievable. We just brought, we brought kids in, you know, and we got a kid, he came in, he was like a 625 squatter. And then as freshmen, I grind him, you know, I grind him pretty hard, but like, this kid's special. Like, he goes 655 and 675 easy. I'm like, I can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> there, there are limitations uh, when you become a, a married man with kids getting your doctorate. You know, there's uh, only. <laughs> you know, I'm 5'7", 220, and I can't gain much more weight than that ever. That's a stretch to get there. This yeah. Kid, you, know, you got a 6'1", 330, and he's not fat kid squatting. And mm. yeah, he's just got that body weight and size. and He's about this wide. I can put my hands way wider on the camera because he's wider than I can reach him. Yeah. No, it's been that's something that they, you know, I sit there and I was like, and I just got smoked by four guys today on squats the first time I got beat. Yeah. Like, man, that's you though. That's you. You did that. Like, you helped me do that. And I'm like, all right, I'll take that. You know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Passing the torch. Passing the torch. Somebody's got to do it. Right. That's uh. That's awesome. Well, um. Yeah, so I, I do have some questions, though, obviously, about some of the uh, items that, that we listed out. And just so the listeners know, um, obviously, you're fa- and, and the, the guy's name, John, John Connor? John Cotter. Cotter. Is that C-O-D-D-E-R? It's actually just John, like normal, K-O-T-T-E-R. And the book is Leading Change is the one I, I've read for him. That's what I read. Okay. Um, that's awesome. So... Yeah, I mean, if we could just kind of get like work our way through some of these um, and, and then we can kind of like take this out wherever you want it to go, obviously, depending on where the conversation goes. But I do think that I, I do have some questions because at some point, like you said, every single year you need to start over, whether you had success with these things or not. Right. So I guess my first question would be, which one of these was the one that you felt the most challenged with and why? And then kind of what I, I guess my my thoughts on this too, and I tend to do this sometimes where I like load up a double question, but um, I guess like I'm trying to, at least like when I, when I first started interning, right, I would, I remember I went up to the director, I was at Quinnipiac University over here in, in, in Connecticut, and I was like, I was just feeling like one of these days, I'm like, man, I don't get it, like, what are we, what are we doing here exactly, like, what are we doing here, like, phenomenal program, great culture, great environment, the kids are great, staff, dude I'm working for is awesome but I'm like what are we actually doing here like what you know what I mean like this is kind of like the way that I think at times and I was like why why are we like there has to be something more than like we train athletes we get them to try to be more resilient in the field on the field and court ice whatever they win some championships they get some notoriety and feel what it's like to feel success in their life and failures and overcome challenges and then they move on to maybe playing at the pro level, but most likely not, right? Just kind of going on and starting a career and, and the cycle just continues. And I'm like, there has to be like something deeper. And I can't say for sure that I have the answer to that. Um, but I do think that looking specifically at like 
why something is created versus being amazed with what has been created is a really interesting way to go about things. And at least, at least for me, someone who like needs that like mental stimulation to like understand exactly the deeper mechanisms that are at work here, I would imagine you're probably someone who appreciates that as well, given what you're getting your doctorate in. Um, yeah. Like what, like, you know what I mean? Like, is that play a, that's got to play a part in starting over, right? There, there has to be something. All right. Well now guys, we want to start over because we need to get to 15 and 0 again. And it's like, well, that's fine. Like we win 15 games, but like, if we just keep winning 15 games, like, like I would imagine it's probably more so along the lines of like, how are we winning these 15 games? What exactly are we trying to produce? Because like these fit, let's be honest, like these fit, like the 15 wins that you guys have, like, at least this is the way I view sport now. It's like, it's become so, it's so cyclical. And obviously it takes place every year that most people don't even remember the stuff that happens outside of these like really like insane moments, right? And like you know, college and professional levels or whatever. But most of the time you kind of forget all of the little minutia that takes place in the, in the meantime. So there's gotta be some sort of deeper meaning behind what we're doing here, right? So I'll, yeah, I'm not even sure like where the question is in that, but I'm sure you've got, you know what I mean? I'll, I'll let you kind of take it from there. Well, I think so. One thing that my entire staff did, so again, there's, I've got basically two full-time people working with me at GA, um, and then all my interns. So we all, we all did, uh, we looked at different philosophies, mission statements, mission statements, stuff like that. And the reason why is because I want to show everyone what people are about. What, like, how do you get your point across? And actually, the book, you know, John Cotter, uh, changing, excuse me, leading change, there's, uh, there's some talk about, you know, vision statements and stuff like that in it. And so I went over our stuff, our vision statement, our philosophy overall. And as we go through that, there's two really big points um, for me. And the number one is the idea of servant leadership. Now, we're going to not just sit there and demand and demand and demand, but we're, we're going to take care of people. You know, and that's it. I don't care if you're talking about at being a CEO at a Fortune 500 or if you're talking about being a sports performance director, a football coach athletic director, it uh, doesn't matter. If you learn to take care of people, they're not going to leave. Okay? They're going to give you tremendous effort and they're going to be happy. People are going to be happy. And that's one thing, you know, I, I really implemented. That's actually my number one rule. That's my number one rule. That's my number one point of my philosophy is we will be servant leadership. Or excuse me, we will be servant leaders. You know, we will practice servant leadership. And that's a huge thing that I, I've learned of a lot more recently that my, my, my athletes and my coaches were absolutely going to war for me right now because they don't want to take care of them. And I've done anything I can to help make their life easier. You know, I try to have every solution possible. Now, that doesn't mean that I know it. It just means I know someone that does know it. Um, and when they understand that, they, they really started to move in a different direction. Of, like, there, there isn't a, you know, I, I'll be honest, the last school I was at, it, it was a little bit rougher schooling. It was just the uh, man, Coach Fears is uh, it's tough. Like he's hard to work with. He's like, you're gonna work your butt off, you know, that type of stuff. And, and I think hopefully, if I were to say the difference here is I I would really hope that they would say it's he, he really cares, like he really cares what's going on. I think that would be the biggest thing is because we get through this to not just for the athletes, but everything. Like, does this guy care? Like, if I left tomorrow. Like, what would my athletes say? Would they be like, we, we can't do this without him type stuff? Would it, would, what would my administration say? Would they be like, cool, let's find the next guy? Or would they be like, how are we going to replace this guy? He did everything. He took care of everyone. He 
do everything, how to do all this stuff. Uh, it just seemed like he was relentless the way he did things. Mm. And that's hopeful, that's the that's the edge I'm hoping for. You know, like, yeah. And then the other thing is is creating leaders. You know, like we that that's the very last actual bullet point of my whole philosophy. Number one is servant leadership. Ironically, the very last one is creating leaders. Mm. You know, how do we create leaders? And why is that so important? Because football stops, basketball stops, everything stops at some point. You know, and if you can sit there and understand that creating a leader is a lifelong thing and understanding, I can teach my leadership methods very quick to athletes. I can teach them our leaders. Not everyone's meant to be a leader. You know, one of the, one of the, my favorite actual leadership theories of followership. Like you got to followers too. Not everyone's meant to be a leader. That's fine. Right. You know, I, I've got, you know, I've got one of my staff members right now who is probably the best follower I've ever seen in my life. He's going to be the most amazing head assistant coach somewhere. But it's going to take a long time for him to get a head coach. But as he'd be the first one, I'd take this guy as a head assistant. You want this guy, mm. but it's going to take a long time for him to be a leader because he's got to be able to come up with his own ideas and how to guide and everything like that. Mm. That dude can regurgitate every single point of my philosophy, every point of my coaching, everything to a T, like verbatim. Mm. But he's not ready to be a leader. He's not going to come up with his own ideas yet. He's not going to understand how to. Take this team that has this problem and fix it that way. Um, but yeah, I think those are the two points: so leadership and developing leadership. Yeah. Well, pro- I mean, pro- for, you know, for that kid in particular, obviously, you know, yeah, we need good leaders, but good leaders are probably good followers at some point, like you said, right? You need good followers. You need something like we need to know who to follow, right? Like that's the idea. If someone's okay. leading us, I mean, someone's got to be, someone's got to be following somebody, right? And I get identifying who those good leaders are. And, you know, I think for that kid, like you said, it's at some point, like he's going to get to a point where he has his own voice and he has his own philosophies and all that kind of stuff. But he's, I mean, he's lucky to have you obviously, because you come from a situation where, like you said, like you thought there was, you know, you were kind of like, all right, here's one way that we're going to go about doing all these things. Right. And you were able to, you were probably able to regurgitate all of those things as well. Until you, you know, came across that individual who was like, "Hey, do your own thinking." Almost assume that you've been given zero instruction. Just like, what is it that you think right now, and how would you go about executing A, B, and C? And that, you know, even the one of the things about followership is like every leader pretty well has to follow someone. Mm. Like I have to follow my AD. My AD has to follow our president. Our president still has to report to you know the Russo board and so on and so forth. Like there, you really never. You always have to follow it. Right. It might be one percent of your day, but still. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's it's good stuff. I I I do think that there is, you know, something to be said about you know, taking, taking athletes, taking other people, like, you know, providing, because you're essentially providing an experience for these guys. And I think I said this in a previous podcast as well, where I was kind of talking about like the roles and the responsibilities of a university, right. And the roles and responsibilities of a strength and conditioning coach, like we want to get you in a, in a position where you have to provide an experience for the student athlete. And if that student, if that student athlete is experiencing something along the lines of like, Hey, um, we're overcoming, all different types of barriers. And that's kind of what I thought about here. When I'm looking at like start removing barriers, I'm in the list of barriers that you could potentially come across when you're trying. I mean, it, it, it can go so many different avenues, right? It's not even just talking about like financial barriers or, you know, maybe it's, you know, re- re- barriers with when it comes to your resources or barriers when it comes to your talent, barriers when it comes to, you know, skill. Um, could be it, it, it could be barriers when it comes to how, you know, the communication is taking place, how your athletes are 
perceiving some of the coaches that are leading them, the, the dynamic and complex relationship that they probably have with their coaches and with you, um, with other other teammates, right? Like, especially in a squad of football players, when you're talking about having like over 150 people in the program, obviously anywhere from like 80 to 100 players on the team. Um, so what were like those, you know, specific, I mean, you don't have to get too specific. What were some of the barriers that you were like, yeah, here's a barrier that most people would assume would be a barrier, right? Like maybe your AD is like, hey, listen, like uh, we can we can do this and we can't do that, whatever. But there's got to be some barriers in there that go way beyond just, you know, the, the typical norms, right? Uh, so, yeah, yeah, there's some interesting ones. And I think at Division Two, those barriers get a little bit different. Uh, financial resources change. Now, I'm going to tell you, when I first got here, uh, a couple of big barriers, unfortunately, talent. We had a couple, we had a couple just we had a couple position groups. I'm not gonna say anything because I don't want to pick on it. Probably the DBs, right? It's always it's always the DBs. I, I wish <laughs> oh, DBs were pretty talented actually. Oh but, really? <laughs> you know, it always starts up front, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but uh we were just lacking in a few spots and it just killed us. I mean, one of the barriers we had was just not having enough talent in certain areas. Mm -hmm. uh, facilities you know i came here i had a 22 2400 square foot room with 16 racks and no dumbbells nice and 385 pounds of weight per rack only. wow yeah that was that was a really big barrier to start with a power you couldn't even lift in there no oh and the floor was sloped downhill <laughs> the whole way so, oh, nice um i'm still convinced when i do my olympic lifts my left foot slides back about three inches and my right doesn't move and i'm still convinced it's that damn floor yeah. and i'm going and it just i lean a little my left every time and yeah. anyways i just no horrible facilities when i got here um and then we had a little bit of we changed presidents and it kind of pulled everything back with the budget i was supposed to be in that room for six months mm. i ended up being in that room for 19 months mm. and i'm not gonna lie to you if i would have been told i was gonna be in that room for 19 months i may not have taken the job <laughs> now looking back of course i'm happy because my facility's amazing i have i i in my opinion i put together the best division two staff um that money can buy i mean mm. i have killer coaches i have killer interns you know i've got more help than i could ever need and then i have a boss that is just pushing and pushing you know he's already promised a position at the end of the year for me mm. just because he believes in what we do so much and we're seeing dividends and our injury rates are going down drastically. Our performance is going up drastically. You know, he puts that back a lot on the roof. And he also, I mean, we, we're also now in the process of putting together what should be the best uh, nutrition recovery room, whatever you want to say, in Division Two as well. That was one thing. We've got support. That's some barriers that were not, you know, those were, we had no, almost no nutrition support. We had no weight room. And I'm over here trying to, it's like, here's a rock and a, a stick, build a football team with this, you know? And it's like, well, we've got barbells and barbells <laughs> and we can't even lift safely because these racks are spaced at a foot and a half apart. Like yeah. if a guy's loading plates, he can get just drilled by another bar. Yeah. And then I, I think the, the other barriers is a culture. Culture mm. is probably one of the biggest barriers of we came in and and this is, I'm not, not trying to trash the other coaches that were here. They they were very successful. As a matter of fact, one of them, uh, our D coordinator, I think, is still with the Dolphins, and he's phenomenal. He's a phenomenal coach. But we just coach different from our current coaching staff. 
Mm. You know, they were a very coach-led program. We're trying to create a very player-led program. And that's one of the things that hurt us really bad the first season, having some lacking talent. But then we kept going. The players kept looking for leadership. And they're like, who's going to lead? Who's going to lead? We're like, you, you need to lead. And so I'm trying to teach this and I'm trying to push it and I'm trying to teach it more. And that was actually what really moved me towards actually doing my doctor's strategic leadership instead of actually doing a, so I was considering either a EDD or a PhD in educational leadership or something around that field. And then I found the strategic leadership. It's really just kind of funny. I, one of the, I guess, counselors or whoever it is uh, called me up from Liberty University, which is where I'm doing my doctorate. And they're like, you know, with what you're telling me, it sounds like you might be more interested in this doctor's strategic leadership. All right, tell me more. Give me more info on it. And so I read it and I'm like, wow, this is exactly what I want. This sounds so much better in educational leadership where it's, it's not. So, you know, a doctor's strategic leadership is a practitioner's degree. It's not, it's considered more, you know, it'd be more something like doing a doctorate of physical therapy. It isn't legit, like puts you in the situation to figure out how to fix this. Not here's the theoretical side of it. No, it's the, yeah. the theoretical side of it. Now, here's how you apply it and actually use it. And that was the thing that blew my mind the most of actually the doctorate that I've been doing was how do you, how do you actually implement all this stuff? But to, to swing back, yeah. the question was, you know, the, I think the biggest one was our facilities. It seemed like because we were putting all of our money into the new facility, funding was just like, well, I'm, I'm asking for stuff, but it's like, you'll get it, you'll get it. And then I'm like, okay, well, I've got a almost $2 million facility going up. I almost feel bad for asking about more. Right. And so, and then honestly, a huge barrier was I was the first ever director of sports performance center. So yeah. I, I opened up this program and people didn't understand what it was. People are like, weight room guy, weight room. And I'm like, no, 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 no. First of all, don't call me a strength coach. You know, I'm not a strength coach. I'm a sports performance coach. Now, against, that's not against strength coaches. It's just, I think too, I wear 60,000 hats. You know, I'm, right. I'm going into, you know, our, our admin meetings and football meetings, meeting with our athletic trainers, and I'm doing sports psychology, and I'm doing sports nutrition as best I can, at least. You know, and, you know, I'm not strength conditioning. I'm sports performance. I pretty well take care of everything. Um, but, yeah, I think that's the guy. And there are so many other barriers I can sit back and look at. But it's just uh, I think your culture was just that one that a lot of people don't see. Was, we went from this culture to all the polar opposite shift. And then – Obviously, facilities. When I first got here, I was just—I don't know. It, it was just like, like I said, it was trying to like make a football team with a, a stone and a piece of string. That's <laughs> strong. We knew, probably should have brought Dan John down. He would have done it just fine. But yeah, he would have figured um, it out, right? That—that <laughs> that was crazy. How many and God, I could from players, you know, even even a few coaches that we got rid of were were barriers, and you know. I, and if I had to be honest, there's probably still some barriers. There are still dozens of barriers here that we haven't broke down yet. Sure. Yeah. Right. Like those barriers don't ever go away. Right. But it's more so like the systems that you have in place to deal with them, to mitigate them, to maybe even potentially at some point, you know, get rid of them. And I think, I think it's, you know, going back to your, your point before, this is one thing that like I tried to focus on, like in my experience working in football was like, you know, I, I was part of a, you know, very, unsuccessful program specific to the scoreboard and like what was on paper, you know, obviously as far as like records go. Um, and I tried to do some like serious reflecting on it, but I think what I really came to is like, it's not as if like the actual, and of course there were, there were coaches on staff and there were players on staff and maybe did not meet the standard of what you need for like a division one FBS program or whatever the case is. But like, it wasn't more so that like 
like in, in my mind, I always believed, and probably like you do, like you always believe that like the people that you're working with outside of like, or like you said, like maybe there's a few barriers there, but for the most part, you're like, hey, listen, I'm a, I'm a leader. I'm a type A guy. I'm going to make it work with whoever. Like, I'm not going to sit here and be like, right, I need to, I need to get him out of there. Cause I need to get this. I need to get my, it's like, no, nah, this is what I got this is what I got to do. Obviously like a division two, it's not like you, you get to like bring in or do whatever it is that you want to do. Like there are certain restrictions or certain limitations. So you're saying to yourself, I need to make it work with the people that I have here. I'm going to create an environment and I'm going to get people to buy in. And obviously that means being super versatile with your personalities, the way you obviously are connecting with all these individuals, right? Like that type of leadership, that, that to me is true leadership, right? Like I think Jocko Willing talks about like the uncomfortableness of, uh, of saying, you know, leadership is essentially manipulation, but it, it is in some way, shape or form. If you are just one person the whole time, right? So and we can get into that, but I think going back to what you said about like specific coaches that ended up going on and being successful in other places, it's, it, again, it's, I look at it as the group that was assembled to do a specific task did not get it done. And it's not to say that one area or like these coaches are not successful coaches or like we are not, we were not successful strength coaches or whatever the case may be, but the, but the people who were assembled in this group to try to execute a specific task and to try to be successful in that and set yourself up with specific systems to help understand failures, to filter failures, to try to provide solutions and things of that effect those things did not happen. Right. And that's usually what will lead to a downhill spiral of all of these things. Like when you, when you first talked about like the program that you walked into. So, um, you know, I think, I think really getting back to that, it's like, like how, what, what are some of the skills that you feel like you've developed over the years of trying to reach various types of people? Like I said, you're probably dealing with a zillion different people. Like you said, you wear many hats, you're in different meetings, right? Like how did you get it to where it's like, all right, I can't just decide that, uh, you know, like, like in most professions, you don't just get to like walk into a new office and be like, all right, um, yeah, one, two, three. Yeah, I don't like them. They got to go. I mean, like in, in football, in Division One football, obviously, you know, they create their own rules. It works that way, right? But in most places, in most professions that are respectable, right? Like you have to make it work with the people who have been there, right? While you're slowly kind of like merging and grab it, gravitating and bringing some of your own, you know, people in, I guess you could say. So your, your thoughts on that, I'd love to hear. So I've got two different methods for that. The one is, uh, Probably the easiest one I've ever done, and I love doing this with coaches because this is, you'll almost bore them to death at one point, but then you'll get your point across. Um, I, I write, and I make all my level two interns, by the way. So I, I have a level one internship where we do, um, we do the X's and O's. We learn max percentages, different types of variations of workouts, push pulls, you know, different types of stuff. And then my level two is a nothing but backwards design course for 12 weeks, basically. So we go through and I make and I make them all do it together, just like I would have a coach do it. We do a full backwards design, thinking about starting with the sport, positions, injury prevention, performance, everything. I make every single thing go up on the board and I'll be like, you missed this, you missed this, you missed this. And by the time you are done, you have your entire program on the board for what you're going to do with your athletes, progressions, percentages, everything all your basic movements and everything you want. And it's all the way down to, you have 6,000 bubbles with everything written. Hey, I have an, a four by eight board over right there in my office and it will not fit it on it. Okay. And we'll get, we'll have paper and everything all over the place. And I make them do it with their full group of all my level two interns. And so I make them agree. And this is exactly what I do with coaches when they try to sit there and, and well, why, why, what do we do? To, well, what, well, I will sit down and I'll do this whole thing with them. And it's going to take a minimum of an hour. But 
you know, a lot of coaches believe that, you know, this is what we want. And so we'll go over everything. I will sit down and we'll sit there and we'll talk about how to make our athletes explosive. And we'll agree on what makes them explosive. And we'll talk about what makes them injury, you know, injury free. Hamstrings. All right, this is softball. So we have shoulder issues. How do we keep the shoulders healthy? What about the elbows? Okay, how do we do that? We got wrist issues. Okay, well, lower back. Where's that? Okay, let's fix this up. And now by the time we're done, we've got, like I said, 6,000 little bubbles with everything. Now, coaches never care about periodization. They don't know what they don't have to do. Right. But you start talking about that, they're like, oh, you do your thing. Okay, cool. Cool, I'll do that part. Well, what about this? Well, you know, you, you pick that too. Okay. So I did this for an hour and a half with the coach one time. And uh, it was a track coach many years ago. The first time I sat down with the coach. Um, but I'd use this idea. I used backwards design for quite a while. It's the whole idea of you're going to make everything based off the sport and break it all down. And by the end of that entire hour and a half conversation, the only thing I budged on was he had to have stiff-legged deadlifts in there. <laughs> the damn I'm talking about like the old school, you know, uh, bigger, faster, stronger, stand on a box. And I'm like, okay, now that's got to put a lot of stress in the back, right? And he's like, well, yeah, 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 I understand that. I'm like, okay, so you got to do it light, right? He's like, yeah, I can agree with that. What about 20% clean? Well, that sounds good, which means the barbell for a mm. And so that... I gave up two sets of 10 straight leg deadlifts, stiff leg deadlifts, whatever you want to call them, with a bar. That's it. It's not terrible. I'll, <laughs> hey, I can get that up. You know, um, three minutes of my entire week was given up after that. And yeah. by the time we were done, he thought he wrote that whole program. Yeah, no doubt. So it's, it's in a it's sense. Good, man, I wrote this great program. Yeah, it's his um, idea. <laughs> but, yeah, we just, we came to agreement. And yeah, it took a little bit of time. And then we produced one of the most, you know, we produced a very successful team that year as well. So it was a win-win. Like, yeah. yeah, it cost me an hour and a half of my life. But, hey, that coach was never on my back again. And we had a great relationship after that. As a matter of fact, uh, he helped me get a raise not long after that. So, nice. not, you know, not my boss at the time. He went up and said, do you realize how many hours this guy's putting in? And I got a raise out of it. So <laughs> it was a great deal. And yeah. Then, yeah you know, one thing that I really try to be, I, I really try to be well-rounded with a lot of stuff. You know, I try to be able to hold conversations just about anyone, um, about anything. You know, I, I'm, I, I do a ton of weird stuff. Like, I do a lot of woodworking. You know, I like cars. I like just about everything. So, nice. yeah. you can talk to someone more by more than just work. Like, they'll start to really, when they care about you as a person, it's like, it's a whole lot harder. To get yeah. Things. You know, when you're sitting there and you, you can tell, you know, Hey, how's your kid doing? You know, uh, your dad doing all right? You know, all that type of stuff. Hey, you know, I know your dad was up to visit last week. What'd you guys do? But you know, get away from work, you know? And that's with the athletes too. Uh, like I told you, I'm in such a good situation right now. You know, it's nothing for me to have eight interns that all know exactly what I want. To have three full-time coaches working with football or something like that, you know, or, you know, six or eight people on the floor at one time with 16 racks in a great facility. But I can actually go around and, yeah, I'll make my corrections. I'll see something, hey, let's get this fixed, do it this way. But I can actually talk to people here at the VR. That gives me one of those things, you know. Like, I'll find out, who is this kid about? Like, is his mom really important to him? You know, did he grow up with a dad, without a dad? Did he have this issue or anything like that? And then you can start to play off that kid so much more and you learn who they are. You really learn who they are. That's really, really tug at the heartstrings of the kid, you know, like, mm. 
you find out, you know, I got a kid right now, and man, when your dad be proud of you, still you do that. And it was just like, stepped back a little bit, like, oh, like, figure out what tugs out of it, it makes a change. Yeah. Right? When you really get to Kansas, when you figure out exactly who they are. You know, he sure. was their really big, you know, who was their really big role model? You know, I had a athlete years ago that uh, transferred him from the zoo. And I asked him, I said, who's the biggest role model you've ever had in your life? He said, I, without a, like, without a hesitation. And so this kid just works his freaking butt off for me. Proceeds to be an intern's for me later. Uh, does a great job at everything. And so I, you know, I, I text Pat Ivy and I was like, I just want you to know this. You mean a lot to this kid. If he hasn't contacted you, you know, please reach out to him or I'm going to have him reach out to you or I'm going to connect you guys again or whatever. And then the end of Pat ended up actually hiring as a GA. And the state was there, but that was a huge thing. That, that was a huge thing for me is figuring out, like, you know, where this kid came from. And I, you know, we came, we had a year rough time growing up. And Pat Ivy was, you know, Pat Ivy was his son. It's like probably two years old, but you know, Pat Ivy was one of the biggest father role models he ever had in his life. And I just him hearing that, I think that a lot. Just little things like that, you start to realize how to. I'll get kids pushing that direction. That's, to me, that's what you're really successful. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that kind of, that, that makes sense. That kind of answers some of the questions that I had before, too, right? Getting back to like, what, what, what exactly is this whole thing that we're doing here, right? What are we trying to provide? And I think going back to what you said before, too, about, you know, developing the relationship with the coaches, essentially, I know you said like it took an hour and a half of your time, you're meeting with these coaches or whatever, whatever the case is. To personally, like, I think there's a ton of value in having, it's not to say that the meetings have to be a certain amount of time, but just like having face-to-face meetings where there's actually an agenda set up and things are actually getting accomplished. Right. So I think, yeah, like everybody has meetings, right. And everybody meets, but like, what is like the construct of the meeting? How is it set up so that certain people are saying certain things, certain people have a voice, but there's like a sort of a limitation to like making sure that like, you know, things are said in a you know short, concise, clear and respectable manner. And obviously there's good quality, like, you know, just, just constructive thought being put out there. Right. So, so what you were doing essentially is by trying to reach the coach, like you're setting up a system of education. Like that's probably the best way to reach any coach, right? It's be like, I, I'm going to set, I'm going to set myself up where I'm going to educate everybody I work with as much as possible about what's going on here. So that way, when there are questions that come down or there are failures that we come across, which inevitably there will be, you are going to have some sort of system that you guys can filter through. It's like, okay, well, this is, you know, you, like you said, you and the football coach decided on what develops power. How will you develop power within your athletes? How do they, how do you make them more explosive, right? Give them a different frame of reference, give them a different perspective, whether they want to shift it off onto you or not fine, whatever the case is, right? But at least there's an understanding of how we're going to go about developing this quality, right? So um, I think to kind of wrap that up, right, that, you know, that the answer to that, my, my particular question was, create a system where you're educating every single person in the building on what it is that you do. And then obviously, in turn, hear their thoughts as well, allow them to have the input, right, reach them. And then, you know, as you said, when it trickles down into some of the athletes, you're talking about figuring out the specific things that make them tick and the things that they obviously care most about in their life, which could take two to three years for a lot of athletes, depending on, you know, their experiences and, and their, you know, willingness to be vulnerable, which is very tough for, a, you know, 17, 18 year old kid, obviously coming in, trying to figure out a way to take on the challenges of, you know, emotional stress and social stress of college, um, while also trying to understand a playbook and listening to about 15 different, you know, leaders, right, who are like telling them what you need to do and how you need to do it and trust them and all that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, no, this, this honestly awesome answers. And I really appreciate your thoughts on all this stuff. I guess 
I, I know, you know, I want to wrap up here soon because I know I want to let you go, but I do have one more question. Um, specifically, when it comes around, when it, when it comes to creating these like small wins, right? You talked about like creating these, setting yourself up where it's like, okay, I'm going to have it. So, um, you know, in the, in the example you gave was a, was a physical example, right? Where you're running 60 yard shuttles and you want to make sure that everybody's turning in the right direction. Everybody's touching the line or whatever the case, whatever constraints you put on the exercise, right? Um, what would you say, and I, and I have an idea, but I, I do want to ask, what would you say to people who are, you know, out there criticizing, um, coaches who do spend time on this, like, you know, and what they would consider wasting time on, oh, uh, did he, did you guys touch the line? Did everybody start at the right time or not? Did we, you know, clap at the same time, whatever the case is, none of those two are mutually exclusive, but obviously you have some thoughts on how this has provided some success for you and your teams by creating small victories, right. For you guys to build upon. Um, so what would you say to people out there who are critical of that saying that this doesn't have any transfer to whether or not they would be successful in their sport or in other endeavors of their life? Um, what, what are your thoughts on that? I think you go back and you just look at what are we trying to achieve as a team? We're trying to create unity. You know, like we're trying to be all on the same page. And, you know, I have a, I have a really simple rule here. You know, I, and I've said this since I started is, you know, the one thing that when I started, I said, no matter what, and I've said this since I ever started at job, feel free to ask questions. Ask why. Always ask why. You know, ask why too often. I'm okay with that. I'll, I will. I might give you a five-word answer, but I'm going to have to leave. If I can't tell you why we do it, you have to do it. You know, and that started out, and kids will ask, why? 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 Why do we do this? Why? Well, three years in, my, my word's golden. I know it asks me why. And I still say it all the time. Feel free to ask me questions. But it's just, now it's, if he says do it, do it. Like, and I didn't get that way by, you know, being malicious. I didn't get that way by hacking people. We just simply showed that discipline will create results. And I, some people let certain things slide. And, you know, I'll, I'll never forget that. That picture of the, this is the distance between winning and losing, you know, getting this in line. And to me, it, it, we reached small details, small details, small details, small details. Okay. I say it nonstop. I say it every single week. The little details is what will win and lose this game. And that is, that's the difference to me. And I don't care. Every good team lifts, every good team practices, every good team eats their meals, every good team does their stretches. Every, like, it's the little things. And that line is a little thing, might be an inch, but that might be what separates us. You know, and at the end of the day, talking about wins, like, coach, I only bought, bought my max up by 10 pounds. How do you know that 10 pounds isn't going to be what helps us win? You don't know that. You don't know that. Only 10 pounds may be all it takes. Coach, I only did this much better. That may be all it takes. Like, you never know in that five extra pounds, that tenth of a second faster than hundredth of a second faster, that one inch further is going to be the difference between a win and loss. And the old saying, and it's a little bit cliche, but football is a game of you know, inches and milliseconds. Absolutely, though, it is. You know, if you sit there and you add a couple of inches to every single run, all of a sudden, that third one is all the third one. So, mm. And all those things to me add up. And I, I will always preach little things because everybody does the little things. Right. You know, the little things add up to be bigger than the big things. I don't care anything. Because we all practice. Well, how do we practice? And we all squat. I almost guarantee almost every single football player we should squat. How do we squat? Are we doing it right? Are we in good positions? Does it look athletic or does it look like my feet are six feet apart on the power lifter? And I'm going to claim that even though I didn't even come close to squatting the parallel that I'm a seven. Squatter. 
you know, those, those things matter. The, the positions matter. Everything, you know, I, I say this all the time. No matter what we do, all we really do as strength coaches is re, we reinforce what matters. That's all. So if I make a guy squat more weight and he become a better basketball player, what am I doing? Right. What am I doing? Oh, if I make a guy swap my weight, but he's going to become more injured, probably actually becomes more injured, probably less injured, probably more injured. Mm. I am doing a terrible job, you know, and I probably need to move on in my career. But it's it's all those little things, you know, the way we look at things. And I, and I say this all the time to recruits. Like, I don't have a magic recipe. Yeah, I, I really don't. I don't have a magic recipe, but I will make sure you do everything right. I'll make sure getting in our weight room is done safely, correctly, you know, we're in a squat in the right positions, and I don't think there's a whole lot of debate of what a good squat looks like. There's little bits here. And, yeah, you might be a little bit more knees over toes, and a little, you, know, you might be a little bit more limping, you might be a little bit wider based. Well, I think there's a couple, there, there's more than one way to do it, but you know, in general, what a good squat looks like. Doesn't, are you going to let those little things slide? You know, and that, that's just such a small little example of the millions of things. You get your head through on a military press, you know. Where's your hips at on clean? And you know my obsession with lifts. I, I will pick those till the cows come home. Um, but I will just absolutely, like, can we take care of those little things and little things and little things and little things and little things? Because all of a sudden, little things end up being while well, we have four weeks of straight good practices because we harped on those little things. And all of a sudden, our coach is just sitting there and he's like, everything looked good today. Like, where do we even go from here? Like, you start challenging the coaches to figure out how to even make the players better from where they're at. And then, again, we weren't perfect. No one's ever going to be perfect. But how do we keep building on top of that? Those small little victories. Like, how do you do it? You know? And, you know, the one thing that, you know, I, I want to mention real quick, you know, we do a three-tier approach. And we, this is one of the big things that we talk when we look at Cotter, you know, you know, a sense of urgency. We put all of our athletes based off strength numbers and explosive numbers into three different categories for our groups this semester, it's the first time I've been able to do this. It's something I've wanted to do forever. We put them in, you know, the way we run things, we have a grade group, which is kind of our third string freshman type group. We have blue, which is our second string. We have gold, which is our starters. And we broke everyone down, not based off their starters, but their strength numbers, their explosive numbers and stuff like that. And we make everything super objective. So like, this is where you need to be. This is what you have. This is your, you know, and we, Breaking down, we put in different groups based off that. And all of a sudden, now I've got, like I told you, I was late to this. <laughs> I came in 20 minutes late to this because I've got 20 guys. Coach, what do I need to get into this group? What do I need to do to get in this group? What do I need? And it was just, it's another thing like, man, I'm not in gold. I want to be in gold. How do I get in gold? I need to be in gold. What do I need? What do I need? How can I do this? Well, I need to, can I gain some weight? Can I, like, hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's, let's start formulating plans for a guy to get a move in the next direction. And that, you know, again, that seems like it's a little thing. Add 20 pounds to your squat. It's not a monumental thing, but at the end of the day, it might be all it takes. Mm. You know, the little things might be the difference. And I, I'm going to tell you right now, I, I say this nonstop. Every single team I work with, we're going to win or lose a baseball game by one run. We're going to win or lose a football game by one possession. We are going to lose or win a basketball game by one, two, three points, which is obviously a one shot, one possession game. You can make that in 1.8 seconds, 2.2 seconds. You make it. The little things is what we'll add up to. The little mm -hmm. things will add up to do you win by one, do you lose by one? Do you win by two, do you lose by two? And that's when people start criticizing the little things. You never know when that one little thing will be the tipping point of the loss. 
and I hate to say it, but our three losses were by a combined, I think, uh, it was 11 points. Wow. So those little things caught up to us on the backside. We didn't take care of our favorites. I guess. Had a great yeah. year, but our football program lost three games by, I believe it was a combined of 11 points. Yeah. So. Right. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I think, I think that's a perfect way to end this. Obviously I couldn't have said it better myself. Um, I, I do think it's, it's worth noting, obviously the people, you know, at Southeastern Oklahoma state are extremely lucky to have you. Um, I think, you know, just in the short time that I've obviously gotten to know you, you take a deep interest in trying to um, develop your interns, develop your coaches, create relationships with the sport coaches and the other administrators and the athletic trainers that you work with. You care about educating them. You care deeply about the players and obviously providing an experience to them that they won't be able to forget. That goes far beyond obviously the, the 15 wins that you guys desire. I think you have a serious intent behind how you approach the craft of strength and conditioning, the craft of being an educator, a teacher, uh, and obviously somebody who's trying to pursue their doctorate as a leader, you know, so um, you can just hear it in your voice. So this, this has been super enjoyable. I really appreciate the fact that you did this, but you know, no, no doubt, you know, and I don't say this about everybody, but they, they really are lucky to have you there. And I do think you are in a really great situation there. It seems like you're having a lot of fun. Um, it seems like you're really enjoying yourself and you guys are obviously going to set yourself up for success. So, um, you know, you got, like I said, we'll, we'll wrap up there. If you got, you know, uh, social media, uh, any, anything that you want people like anywhere people can contact you or anything that you want people to know about as far as resources that you find valuable that can kind of help shape or any sort of last insights that you want to put out there. Um, the floor is yours and then, and we'll, we'll wrap up. Yeah. Uh, you can reach out to me on Instagram at coach fears. It's pretty simple. Uh, as far as resources, I mean, there are so many good books out there. You know, for new guys, man, go read the key three CEO strength coach. Go read some of the more simple stuff like triphasic. It's not that difficult. Go read triphasic. Go read. Uh, wait for a few years on super training. That one, you know, I'm still <laughs> highlighting in that one. I don't think I've ever. You know, it's 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 always. Yeah. It's sitting over there collecting dust. I should probably get back into that thing. <laughs> I'm pretty sure just the whole book's highlighted. I'm going to highlight yeah. six different colors to highlight different things, but it's all highlighted. So I don't even Yeah. Know. That's how I was in a lot of James Smith's work, uh, you know, GDC and applied sprint training. It's like, like people borrow the book from him. Like, dude, why did, it would have been easier for you to just highlight the things that you didn't think were valuable as opposed yeah. to just highlighting the whole page. Yeah. But no, I mean, be well-rounded. I mean, especially, you know, unless you're at some major, major league division one, like be good at a lot of things, you know, unless you're just running, you know, linear sprint mechanics at a, a major vision one. Like, you're going to have to be good at a lot of things. Understand leadership, understand nutrition, understand a little bit of everything. Uh, I think we get too stuck on certain things. You know, I, I'm obviously leadership obsessed, but I started out, I'm, I think I've just kind of, I find my little niche. I really enjoy something for six months and I try to move on to the next thing. Um, leadership's been the one that I've really stuck with for obvious reasons. I've been a doctor in it. Uh, but find a, find something and, and really dive in and get really good at it, and then find your next thing. You know, get really good at that and keep moving around. We're never going to be great at everything. Right? That's one thing. That's pretty obvious. But that's anything. You're never going to be perfect at everything. You know, you can't. There's just too many things. But when it comes to strength conditioning, there's a ton too. Like, are you going to be a BBT guy? Like, I'm a huge BBT guy. You know, I've probably read every single piece of literature ever written by. Anyone you can imagine about me, you have such an obsession with it because I, I've seen so much carryover, carryover with it. But I also can go coach linear sprinting. 
pretty well too, you know, but I stole that info from someone else, just like I stole the DVD stuff from Brian May, you know, uh, biometrics, you know, all that type of stuff. You're talking about the stretch short, the side burning, like that. Understand a little bit of everything, you know, you go through. And I'll never forget, like, taking my CSCS, even my SCCC, I'm like, I'll never use this stuff. This stuff isn't important. Now I'm looking back, like, holy crap, this stuff's really important. Like, I forgot all this stuff, and I knew this at one point, and now I'm not even using it. Now I'm looking back, like, man, now I'm looking at, you know, short biometrics, fast biometrics versus slow biometrics, and how are we going to use these? And how, okay, now I've got to do two types of biometrics. I mean, how do I start using those? Okay, now I've got my DVD back spots, and I've got a regular back spots. I don't want to measure, okay, well, now, okay, well, maybe partials are good. Maybe there's time for half spots, maybe. Okay, well, I gotta figure it all out. How do I bounce? Mm-hmm. How do I peak? How to do this? You gotta understand it all. I mean, it's risk call. So it's a bad <laughs> but, you know, just read a little bit of everything. That's a Jake Anderson quote, you know, don't read everything you believe, don't believe everything you read, but read a lot of different stuff. You know, look into a lot of different stuff and get to know a lot of different stuff. That's what's gonna give you the at least to look and think and be a little bit different, like Todd Rice, stop doing what everyone else does. Do what makes sense to you. Like design your programs, what makes sense to you. Understand force development, understand position. Stop doing whatever else is doing just because they do it. Well, it's put in. That is the law now. We've laid it down, Zach. <laughs> we appreciate that. Um, again, we appreciate your time. This was awesome. Um, I'll, I'll get with you once once we finish up here. But uh, yeah, thank you again for for joining us. And uh, yeah, we'll uh, for everybody listening. We'll, we'll see you guys next time. Thank you.